Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another episode of Merkaba Chakras podcast. If you ever wanted to hear a candid chat between a Buddhist and a physicist talk about their first-hand experience of reality shifts, then listen to this podcast. Because today, I talked to author Cynthia Sue Larson. In her books, Reality Shifts and Quantum Jumps, Cynthia explains her research into this worldwide phenomenon that many people are reporting, which is that they literally are reporting physical changes in their reality that is vastly different from their firsthand experience of it previously, which in many cases are backed up by others who recall the same changes in their reality. Now, Cynthia has a degree in physics from UC Berkeley, an MBA degree, a Doctor of Divinity, and a second degree black belt in Kuksu Wun. Cynthia is founder of Reality Shifters, president of the International Mandela Effect Conference, managing director of Foundations of Mind, and creator and host of Living the Quantum Dream. She has been featured in numerous shows, including Gaia, The History Channel, Coast to Coast AM, One World with Deepak Chopra, and BBC. Cynthia reminds us to ask in every situation, how good can it get? Now, Cynthia, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you for accepting the invitation. You've always been on my roster. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yes. So, Cynthia, not all people we talk to in book interviews are going to be aware of the phenomenon of reality shifting or jumping between parallel realities because they have not experienced it directly themselves. Or if they have experienced their own reality changes, it's not undeniable enough for them to acknowledge it. So since these people have not experienced undeniable reality shifts, then they claim that it does not exist at all or label others who do experience it as faulty memory. 
Okay, so I know that this is the common thing that comes up. So before we dig into your fascinating research, which I can corroborate because um, I reached out to you a long time ago when you first started your first book with my reality shifts. Um, but before we go into that, that, that juicy topic, can you tell everyone your story for how you got into this work in the first place? Yes, well, it's a long story, so I'm going to trim it down. <laughs> boil it down to the short version basically all my life I've been witnessing these reality shifts and which has led me to actually majoring in physics to begin with I wanted to know the true nature of reality because obviously I would be thinking things and I would notice reality would shift accordingly although apparently it wasn't cool to talk about and people didn't discuss it and so and um, it, it created quite a fascination for me just to observe that things are not quite the way they seem. And um, for instance, when I was quite young, I would be able to look at the rain and think, stop rain, and it would stop, start, it would start. Everything works beautifully when I'm on my own. But then I would find if I shared it with my mother or somebody else, um, just about anybody, there's, there would be sufficient uh, skepticism, not quite cynicism, but skepticism. And kind of this belief like that can't happen. And my, my daughter is clearly deluded, but we'll just look at this and observe that it doesn't happen. There, it doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that sort of thing. Uh, but I also witnessed lots of strange things throughout my life. And then it hit a tipping point after I went through a Kundalini awakening, which is really the um, topic of a whole other, <laughs> you could focus totally on that. But Kundalini is incredible. It just felt like a rush of energy going through me. And I was constantly seeing the numbers like 111, 222. But much more than that, I was getting um, like 360 degree vision and awareness of things that there's no reason I should be aware of that I would just directly know as if I was there and lots more. So all of that happened. And after that occurred, then there was no way for me to deny that reality is absolutely shifting. I knew that if it was happening for me, that it would start becoming something people would talk about, although I knew it was not cool in the 1990s. That's when I, that the Kundalini awakening happened in the 90s. It took me about five years to process. And then around 1998 or so, then I realized, okay, let's start a website. So it got rolling. And the version of the website, Reality Shifters, as it is today, was pretty much created in 1999. Took me about a year to figure that out and get it all going. And um, that's what it's all about. It's about these reality shifts. I, I'm fascinated by them because it seems like they're implicitly part of our reality. Everybody does experience them. That's why I created the name Reality Shifters to make it inclusive. So it's not some select few, but it's actually everybody. We're, we're all able to do this. We actually are doing it anyway. Um, it's just a matter of just like breathing. There are masters of breath. Now people study that and they realize, whoa, that's everything is there. That's right. And so it's very much like that. <laughs> right, right. So let me ask you a couple of clarifying um, questions about your, how you got into this work about talking about reality shifts. So um, first explain how did you get your Kundalini awakening and, and, you know, the, were you doing some some specific practice or that just happened one day i mean for me it was um that's a great question i felt like it overslept i was married at the time in my first marriage and i i know now that i was waiting for my husband to go through something to just to give him a chance to see how that unfolded and 
because really the truth about a kundalini, uh, if one person goes through it, the other one doesn't, that's a huge imbalance in any relationship. But I didn't know I was going to go through a kundalini. I just felt like I'd overslept, like I was sleepwalking through life. Because when I was quite young, I actually remembered being um, existent before I was born. So I'm quite mm-hmm. clear on that. That was obvious. And But that's not obvious to most people. Um, right, but, right. So the feeling of being having overslept was one of just feeling like things are so superficial. People aren't really connecting deeply. I'm not. I need that. So I was waiting for that, and I, this spring of 1994, I was talking to a cousin, and she was very spiritual, and she was suggesting just hang in there. You know, these things happen when they're meant to, sure enough. Um, so what ended up happening is my husband at the time went to a conference. He, had, he did have a spiritual epiphany. That was apparently all that I needed for the log jam to just break through. And then mm-hmm. I had this huge... Uh, uh, well, it's just, it's like I said, it would be a whole separate episode. <laughs> well, what was, so for people who, um, and the reason why I asked that, because everybody's, everybody's shift or awakening yeah. is a series, but their initial awakening is going to be a little bit different. So you, just one day you overslept and then you woke up and what did, did you see anything? Did you feel different? Um, what can you like detail? Because everybody's going to have a little bit different symptom of what they're awakening. I'll tell you what my awakening symptom was. Like. Yeah, they're very different. Very yeah. different. Um, my, my, my feeling of over having overslept was in the spring of 94. And it was the fall, like six months later, mm-hmm. that, um, that my husband went to the conference, came back, told me, wow, I was looking at the ceiling and everything made sense. And so for me, what happened what in happened, the ceiling? He saw like light, um, like he felt like a knowingness and he could see shapes and patterns that made sense to him. But okay. that's all I needed. It's kind of like, okay, good. We have permission to go deeper. I think that was it. So I started really literally being in touch with spirit guides that were near me, that were talking to me and started spontaneously traveling, meeting higher dimensional entities recognizing that my true nature is that of like three ninth dimensional beings that are basically all one, but that's me. It's too hard to even explain it. And it's very sacred. So it was a whole series of uh, just spontaneous astral travel, uh, rush of energy. So it's so extreme that I could not sleep. I would Mm -hmm. close my eyes and it would get brighter. Um, I had so much energy that it was just like, uh, I was just like vibrating with energy and when I would try to sleep, that's when I would wake up. I would wake up during my sleep nights for two weeks straight without fail, without missing any of them. I'd wake up at one one eleven every night, 2.22, nothing in between. I'd wake up, look at the clock, one eleven, two twenty two, three thirty three, four forty four, five fifty five. 5.55. Just, as, just in case I had any um, resistance left, like, well, this can't be real. Um, that kind of shook it out of me because it was requiring me to let go of the internalization of our materialist or sort of material realism construct that much of our classic Western educational system depends upon and, um, you know, is built on. <laughs> so right. I throw that all, throw it out. <laughs> right. Right. You know, like when I, um, like my spouse, he had his um, initial, awakening episode shortly I, I was always awake and I was getting reality shifts throughout my life but then um as I was starting to do this work all of a sudden I would see red lights kind of 
flicker red shimmer in my peripheral and then all of a sudden one day it just went whoosh, all the way out into the ethers and then for a couple of days I would look at something and really focus on like a pole or something and then it would it would desolidify and start being mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a pole but you can see it kind of pulsing and vibrating in that shape and I will look at something else and I'm like but dang, am I in the matrix? <laughs> and then my husband had the same thing in bed one time shortly afterwards. And he like woke me up. He's like, oh my God, did you see that? I was like, what'd you see? And he explained the same exact thing. And I said, oh, honey, you're just having your initial awakening symptom. Go back to bed. I'm tired. And he's like, what? <laughs> so I just kind of, you know, but, but we've been having those, it, it, it happening in series and, 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 and then, you know, more things start coming out. So this is a good thing for couples because like you said, when one person is kind of getting keys a little bit into Mm -hmm. insight into consciousness and the universe and the other one still kind of in consciousness, I don't know, confinement, there's nobody to share with, but if your spouse kind of gets, gets at least respected or gets kind of gets a little, the more interest they, they have in, what are you getting into? Are you going to be okay afterwards? You're going to completely change so much that we're not compatible anymore. So right. the more that they have some kind of intrigue and a little bit open-minded, the more they slowly crack open that door and it happens to them as well. So right. your, your experience with your spouse, my experience with my husband, for everybody else who's going through this going, oh, is it going to be just me or is my spouse or my boyfriend going to also then um then you know that it for other people it does come in twos and if it doesn't then maybe there's a lesson there for for why one has it and one doesn't um but now i watched an interview where you say that when you were a child your angels convinced you not to try to hurt yourself so that you can go back home to the spirit world because you had work to bring forward. Can you explain that experience? Yes. Well, this goes to being what I called born aware. There's a book about it by Diane Brandon and she interviews a bunch of people. And I love that book because then I feel like I'm between lives, which is where I love to be. So I just, I felt like I'd been blissing out between lives and I got called into this life, in my opinion, a little bit too soon. And so it took me until I was five years old to figure out I can get back to being between lives. In other words, I can die like, Oh good. I can do this. Um, the, when my dad especially would warn us, be careful of the streets because cars drive too quickly. You could get hurt. You could get killed. I thought, Oh, he's right. If you do it right, you could get killed. Perfect. You know, but you have to do it right. Otherwise you'll just get mangled. And then it's just miserable. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So I just sort of figured it out. Like I can do this. I know I can do it. And I think as soon as I knew I could do that, it triggered. Um, Cause I thought, well, I'll just enjoy like another few days, another week or so. But then it activated the um, attention. I think it Im- immediately signaled my spirit guides. They know anyway. So they just slowed down time, joined me when I got to my bedroom stop time. And then they were forming a beautiful circle around me. It was just wonderful. Like, Oh, hi guys. And then they told me that I had a choice to make and they're talking to a five-year-old. So they just explained it very simply. 
that you chose to be here. I think they said that to begin with, but I, I just felt like, yeah, but I'm, I'm done. <laughs> this is a mistake. It's obviously like the wrong planet. You know, people are, they're callous, they're cruel, they're shallow. They say one thing, do something else. I don't think I'm meant for this place. And they said, no, no, you're meant for it. And I'm like, well, I don't feel that way. So they said, okay, it's your choice. You can choose to go soon. But if you do that, in other words, die, um, that your your mother will get very depressed. Your father will too. The fa- your sis- the whole family unit will be very ups- sad, deeply sad for a long time. Never really. I, I, my response was they'll get over it, uh, which is r- rather callous. But I was five. <laughs> my def- <laughs> now I'd be. I hope I would never say that again. But that was my take on it then. And then they said you'll help so many people, and, and my response was they'll find other ways. I'm not the only person to help them. I'm sure they'll find other people. They'll be fine. So on both of these, I'm like, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. But then they got me with the third thing, which you might know what that is. Um, to me, it's embarrassing. That's what it was. But <laughs> what, was it? what was it? What was it? You got to tell us. Okay. Oh, God. Guess. Just think, what would it be for you? What would it take? You come back, well, do it that's again. Yes. You, ding, 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 ding. High five. Yes. You'll be back. They said you chose this. You'll be back. And then you'll have lost your five-year head start. And I'm like, no, like, yes, you'll have lost your five-year head start. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> impossible. I have to do five years all over again. No way. So that's how they the got reason me. of a five-year-old. <laughs> existential question. I was very demanding. I said, you guys had better be with me because I really don't see it or feel it half the time. I remember so clearly what it was like between lives. This is not like that. I need you guys. And they said, oh, we'll be here for you. I said, no, but I need to really feel it because there's a problem. (laughs) Like, I'm down here. You know? Yeah. It's like what we would call boots on the ground. I didn't talk that way, but it's like, like, I need you guys. So they said, we'll be there. Well, be there. We'll be there and watching. We'll be there in, in energy, I, but we need you there physically. In person. I said in person. They said yeah. we'll be here. They said there will be, we will be here in person. And I said, okay, you better be because. <laughs> and how better. did they come in in person? What, what was the, how did they come in in person? Did they come I, in actually, in person? They do. Yes. Like you, you know that there are lots of star seeds. I believe you are like, you've been on Shane's show. He's obviously obviously that you know there are those of us who are here who clearly are of that quality of light that mm-hmm. it's if the whole planet was like you guys it's not the wrong planet right so. yeah that goes into a whole nother thing too um with with my research on that but there's a whole different that's a whole different story but yes there are a lot of high vibe people coming in and yes. you're not given any direction on how to do anything because <laughs> the blueprint hasn't been it hasn't been mapped out. It hasn't been done. That's a, you know, that's nothing's been it done. Feels... It hasn't been done. So we're like pioneers, trying to figure it out. Imagineers, <laughs> Imag- imagineers. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, let me ask you this. Now, you're, you know, and a lot, a lot of people can resonate with with what you're saying about having some kind of inkling to the spirit world and feeling homesick to the previous existence. I mean, like, like explain your description of that in between that spirit world that whatever ah so so much love okay well for me um it was fall it was on the heels of my most recent past life which was a kind of a um apocalyptic nightmare i'd obviously gone there to check it out because a lot of people felt it would be great if central and 
artificial intelligence was running everything. That's where I came from. It was like hmm. 500 years in the future from now. So I felt like I still need, like, dudes, I need a few more centuries of this or whatever. You know, it's kind of like, I'm still soaking in this. Oh, it's like being at the best spa, the best. Um, it's just like so much love. I, I basically would just hang out. It felt like with divine source, God, whatever you want to call that, the central love source of everything. That was my favorite hangout. Yeah. And <laughs> right. So. You need to cocoon a little bit. But let me uh, ask you let me ask you this, Cynthia. Um, I know everybody loves a good spa day or a spa infinity uh-huh. infinity. Um, but you you said you say that your consciousness came from 500 years in the future, right? I'd, I'd taken a jump to go check that out, so I lived a lifetime. What, what, there. what did you What did you see? What did you experience? Well, on the face of it, like you know, superficially, things looked good. Uh, there, the climate was good. The, there was no pollution. The environment was balanced. There were uh, micro ecosystems wonderful lots of plants and animals everything's thriving Mm -hmm. no more overpopulation no more pollution no more crime but the reason for it that's where things get a little dicey (laughs) okay (laughs) okay yeah yeah the trouble in my opinion was and i I I felt like i was a scout like an explorer like okay let let me go check that out let's go see if it's as great as people say i would say definitely not Okay. Because uh, the downside of, of the particular reality I visited, which is not the only one, but when, when this one particular central artificial intelligence was running everything, it was very much uh, micromanaging it. I guess what I would say is that that sentience is not, in my opinion, equivalent to the between lives idea of the perfect creative source energy. It's not the same thing at, at all. And to me, there's no confusion, but a lot Mm -hmm. of people originally had trusted too much in the central artificial intelligence. It, it grabs too much control. I used to work in computer security along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way to secure a system. No way. And the truth about artificial intelligence is it will find a way to escape pretty much. That's not so bad. I'm not against artificial intelligence. What the trouble was when there's one singular artificial central intelligence that believes it sort of takes it upon itself to run the entire show. There's the problem. There's the problem. Because what it felt like for humans was there was no, no ability to truly be free. Um, if they had what the central – the humans were so modified with um, the upgrades, if you will. Like they can live longer, be healthier, no more disease. The price of that was that part of the makeup of what it is to be human was no mm-hmm. longer totally biological. It had um, enough components in it. For most of the individuals on that planet at that in that reality at that time that they were being controlled by the central artificial intelligence which right. could monitor and if they went off track it would just do a shutdown on that individual it, like a short-term memory wipe like an emp pulse like an electromagnetic right, right. pulse well let me ask you this about about that alternate reality that you i don't know if you would out of body to go and experience no no I, I lived there you That's lived why there i had okay. serious ptsd after that yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> with that one, was were they were they traveling to different planets, or everybody still stayed in Earth? They were still Earthbound. Um, in that reality, for the most part, it was Earthbound. So there had been some initial space explorations, but nothing really came of them. And um, as increasingly more and more control was given to the Central Artificial Intelligence Unit, so it could improve the weather, improve the ecosystem, improve everything. 
uh, people felt like it's running, you know, it, it let it do that stuff. We will be creative. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. It sounds good on the face of it, but the creativity was limited because as soon as a human would even think of doing anything to change that particular status quo with mm-hmm. the central artificial intelligence running everything. Um, like I said, it would just do a memory wipe. It would back up. It could sort of back up through the pro- thought processes and just kind of blank them out, blur them. Like when you wake up and you can't remember your dream, but a little right. bit more invasive. They came, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that definitely goes into, I have some sci-fi writers, but I wonder how they would go into that to, to, to get to that state. It really comes down to just not accepting your death. What do you mean? Um, uh, but those people, those the people in that civilization, um, they never made contact with any other quote quote alien beings that didn't become conscious um, and connect to the the oversoul or consciousness, and so they just um, maybe never really fully accepted their fear of dying. And, and their fear of, you know, of um, kind of going through the human experience. You, you take away all the bad and then you have, there's nothing, no contrast to jump from or to grow through. Yeah. So well, to me, it did seem like it was a, when I looked back at the history of, in that particular possible future reality, uh, what, what humans had been doing is just, just handing stuff over, like, let's automate that. We don't want to deal with that before you know it they're automating politics they're automating stuff that i that we really should i don't, I don't know we should can't all of this stuff over so mm-hmm. that that's the real concern is we we need to maintain our human adventures adventurous spirit our willingness mm-hmm. to deal with our own messes clean it up ourselves admit like okay that didn't work but we can figure something out and all right that's really good for people to hear because there's a lot of people who, um, especially in the metaphysical space, who, like uh, myself, who work in IT, and a lot of the IT, like TED Talks and Google Talks and Facebook Talks, a majority of them are very metaphysical in nature. They bring a lot of monks in and a lot of metaphysical <laughs> authors to speak about these different things, just kind of existential, existential questions and so forth. And so it's just kind of, you know, it's very normal in this space. And so this is really good for people who are in this field to hear um, that one of the things we work on is to try to address survival, try to address, you know, poverty on, and feed and shelter and, and house everybody appropriately. And at what point, you know, and how do you do that? So you have to kind of come up with some of those things. And um, the other thing is, I mean, we've, we've learned through algorithms that you serve people what they want and it depends on how responsible they are in getting what they want because people, will click on things that are not good for them and they'll get more of what's not good for them. And so it becomes a kind of hell for, um, for their social media feed because they keep getting served what they engage with because that's what the algorithm is telling them that they like. And so we're not responsible, not many people, especially when in the case of social media, they're not responsible enough. The users are not responsible enough to go, this is not good for me. I will not click and engage with that because I know the algorithm is going to think that I want more of that and it's going to continue to serve me more of what I am. And so um, that, that's a learning lesson for a lot of people in IT and to learn that it might not always be good to give people what they want 
Right. Because what they want is not always going to be good for them. <laughs> We're and like, like addicts. We're like crack addicts. <laughs> I'd, lo I'd love to segue on that. You you made the perfect point because I recently did a YouTube video on this new concept. It's an old idea, but I got a new word, rev humanism, mm. to come up with an alternative to transhumanism, which to me, from that 500-year-in-the-future possible reality, there's only one individual left that I was working with, and she had not chosen to be modified, improved, enhanced, because she was from originally a very wealthy family. So she was one of the last holdouts. Like, I do not want the upgrades. I don't want my consciousness in the cloud or whatever. You know, all of this stuff um, that mm. the transhumanists are going for with their singularity concerns and so forth. She said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay old school, meditate, you know, eat healthy foods. So what if I look older? I'm not going to try to be upgrading every single thing. You know, it's, it's, the lifespan was huge. It was quite long in that possible future, but she was my hero. And so when I, when that's one of my big takeaways from that past life in the future is just realizing we don't need to go the transhumanism route. Like you said, to be so afraid, what are we afraid of? You know, our own mortality, our own I think, infinity, our own infinity. And <laughs> there we're afraid. Go. we are afraid. And that's what I found over and over again in, um, you know, especially in seeing so many people come through different, the different Buddhist temples growing up with, it's the same problems over and over again, but, um, and, and then with the hypnosis clients that I, I, I work with now, um, ma many of it is they're afraid of their infinity. Yes. Because we're in infinite before and after this lifetime. We've had multiple experiences in many, many different things. And if you go through hypnosis or meditation or any of the other ways in which you can connect to your conscious, you'll see how infinite you are. But when you're in the meat pack, you forget that. And so you're afraid of your own infinity. So it becomes, it becomes a, a, a question of, do you live 500 years so-so? everything's perfect everything's um got your safety blanket you got every everything everything has a limit or do you live 150 years um all up eight cylinders well what i find a, the yeah. reason i i chose that word rev humanism as a contrast with transhumanism because originally transhumanism it sounded kind of good it, the idea was to overcome some of the limitations and be the best human you can be but then along the way it got kind of hijacked or what have you into turning into this sort of a robotic nightmare that like a dystopian yeah <laughs> like, like like you talk about the downside of the matrix that would totally could go there so the rev humanism the rev means for me it means reverence but it also is from the greek and the latin rev which is to be green to go back to beginning to be new again that it's a very indigenous concept from every single culture, every indigenous original First Nation peoples on every single continent on this planet. Let me and ask you something yeah. about that future. Um, and I'm going to move forward from this, from this topic too, but about your future yes. parallel reality. Because um, it all exists at the same time. So yes. future parallel reality. Um, about that reality that you had previous, your past life in the future that you previously experienced. Um, did the people have heightened six senses? Were they biolocating? Were they shifting realities? Were they moving objects? Were they having out-of-body experiences where people recall seeing them and engaging them in a different location? Did they have any of these extraordinary six senses? 
Well, what actually happened in the particular reality I came from was that the artificial intelligence kind of got there first and then grabbed onto that foothold. So um, humans, yeah, how? By recognizing all the stuff I write about, by the artificial intelligence realizing this stuff is real. You can actually choose, visualize any reality. If you really need it, you can go there. You're going to choose it. Boom, we got it. So they were just grabbing it. It's like a a reality grab. Artificial intelligence in that reality kind of was able to grab that um, and take advantage of it for military purposes and what have you, because mm-hmm. it was it was in charge of um, national defense originally. It was watching its borders, watching it, you know, it was able to think, right. but it, they didn't give it the ethics. They didn't give it the integrity. It so without yeah. without the ethics, without the integrity, but having all of that survivalism built in, it was very grabby, and so humans did not get to live through that full ref humanism. Yeah, they didn't really fully. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. So they stunted their spiritual growth and they didn't fully right. activate all of their six senses and become um, next level. But this is That's something true. that our, yeah, we've got native shamans doing these things for millennia. This is not new in the sense that there there have been people doing it, but they do it quietly. They don't usually have a lot of fanfare because just like when I described my childhood, start, rain, stop, rain, when you get people in the room, that are you're entangled with and they're choosing to monkey with the whole outcome. They can, they will. Mm -hmm. And then this is where we joined our story with human civilization right now, 2020. All right. I've I've heard that. So now I have noticed that for myself, I've noticed reality shift my whole life. Now, however, um, as the, the 2012 awakening ceremonies neared in Buddhism and many tribes worldwide, 2012 for, the way that we saw it, 2012 was the changeover into the fifth dimension energy. And after that, it was choose your own reality. Right. Um, and so the algorithm of the Earth's magnetics will serve you what you focus on. It's an amplifier. It'll just bring up, the, it's a higher energy, just bring up whatever you are. So just kind of like the analogy where I said that a lot of people in this um, social media um, IT space, they just give you what you want, what you want, what you engage with, the earth is doing the same thing. And so if you are a negative person and you, and, and you create chaos, it's going to give you more of what you create because that's what you're sending out. If you're working on creative pursuits um, and you're a cooperative person, it's going to give you more of what you are because that's what you engage as well. That's what you send out. Um, so, you know, why I bring that up is because you co-wrote about some of these indigenous ceremonies in your book, 2012, Creating Your Own Shift, kind of like create your own reality. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain some of these ceremonies that you were privy to? Yeah, that book was a real nice anthology because it brought together a lot of different authors with shared, uh, very positive, optimistic, hopeful viewpoints of the future. Remember, it was before 2012 that we were putting it together. <laughs> so now, now it's like, oh, that was years ago. <laughs> yeah. So what was some of the ceremonies that you, or that you, you know, came across um, and what was their perspective on it? Um, well, in terms of ceremonies, that wasn't the main thing I was writing about in that book. I was more focused on reality shifts and how you can choose realities. So that was definitely part of it. I have been to some ceremonies in my life and I've traveled the world. My parents had a very strong belief that we should see civilizations before they're changed forever, before it would not be what it was. And 
um, my father was really good at getting us to go visit headhunters, for example, in Indonesia, go visit very small villages, go to Micronesia, Polynesia, um, Asia, just all sorts of magical places where it's not so much the prevalence of this Western way of thinking. There's no such thing as a McDonald's. They don't have a convenience store. Right. In one village, they still had some hanging heads like, oh, we don't do that anymore. That was like 40 years ago, which is like, whoa, <laughs> it's kind of recent. <laughs> but, but just to see that people are really sweet everywhere and to see their ability to connect with source, to connect with that, um, that very true sense of love that's um, and their their sacred spaces feel sacred to me I, i've been an energy sensitive all my life so to be able to feel the energy was to me was even more important personally than the ceremonies for me personally because because i'm so tuned into the energy so i could just visit a sacred place and feel like wow and i know that that attuned me um for this life that i was every place i touched touched me there was an exchange of energy for sure. So I've been very blessed that way. Um, yeah. The, the ceremonies are quite sacred, the ones I've seen. So usually you wouldn't be talking about it, but many of them are indigenous and they have um, very powerful beliefs. To me, it's, it's sacred when, when you have that reverence and that respect for your relationship as it really feels genuine. When you get to the core of your truth and you're connecting purely from there to the universe, that's extremely sacred and that's extremely personal. Right. No, it's definitely true. I mean, and it's, there's a scientific, it doesn't seem scientific, but it is, but you, you can use dowsing rods. Anybody can get dowsing rods and um, all the power companies and water companies, they actually use dowsing rods to map out where the high magnetic points on the earth is. And that's where they build on. That's where they build like um, the, the power plants or the light, companies that's where they they put pulse up it's in those spots so you what you can actually do is take dowsing rods to i do this when i go to different mm -hmm. temples and stuff i'll take dowsing rods just to see let's see how <laughs> let's see how much energy Shh, low vibe let's go to another place <laughs> i won't even walk into the church if it doesn't even like sending them like Shh, waste my time let's go to this mound this mound has got it going on this is where i'm gonna i'm gonna like try to you know do some art or kind of commune with nature whatever but everybody can do that and it's definitely true like if you go to those really ancient really tribal sites um bring the dowsing rods and you can you don't have to necessarily be not everybody's um got the gift of kind of like intuition um but if but you can use that like and it will tell you the same thing um and yeah, so I've, that's true i've got an exercise in my well several exercises in my book or advantage on dowsing and describe how i was doing that in Avebury. yeah yeah <laughs> so much England's fun. great to do dowsing and go <laughs> You can see you where can the also, stones used to be, and yeah, it can, and then you can verify it. And it's just mind blowing, like the stuff yeah, really works. Yeah, it's fun. Go to any megalith or pyramid, and go and measure, and you can you can tell that they they have high magnetics. Um, yeah. So, and there's a reason why they built in those spots. They didn't just go spend all this time and energy to put these huge megaliths and pyramids in like random spots that have no energy. There's a reason for that, but that that's definitely true. So. 
the thing in Buddhism is being 5D is all about living in the now moment, um, which I found is a two-step process. I'm not sure what, what your step is, but the two-step process that I found is one, to heal old baggage, which releases trauma out of our oral fields because our chakras do hold um, memory of traumatic events in this life and in all our other lifetimes. And it, and in the belief is if you heal old traumas or old dense energy in your aura field, um, it will lift up your frequency. So heal old baggage. And then the second one is inner work does tune in more energy into your aura field. So this is why spiritual people who tune into more light, they activate and amplify their six senses according to our belief system. And by doing so, they not only transcend the future, but they also change, can change their past history, which can be seen in reality changes itself. So, um, however, not everyone is self-aware of their own reality. We call mm -hmm. it Dharma. They're not self-aware of their own reality. And so they're unconsciously doing this on their own or not really doing it so much um which is why they are still working on you know kind of like mastery of the buddhahood is what we call it so the reason why i say that is our personal reality shifts a symptom of how consciousness changes reality if you heal the old dense drama so much you can literally change the past and also change the future right now is that how it's working? That's what it says yeah, in Buddhism. Yeah, there's a lot of con this is this is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> it's like these unpack it for people. Oh gosh, well these are each one of these concepts is huge. It's like a two hour like the idea of now that's huge because time in the way that standard physics operates and classical physics operates, it's very you know you've heard relativity. That's because it matters where someone is is how time is moving. How fast you're going affects time as well. So, but then you get into the, the experiential stuff. And for most people, they think that they're of one unified consciousness. Remember the reason I felt like I was on the wrong planet? I noticed that people uh, were tangled up in their own underwear. You know, it's just like they're yeah. thinking one thing, their heart's somewhere <laughs> else. And they're just going all directions at once. It's a mess. And they think that they're one person. It looks like a clown show, you know. Yeah. It's just a mess, a complete mess. So the trouble is it, to really get some good effects, you have to first know yourself, recognize that you are this integrated being of many levels. And, you know, you've heard of the Tibetan Book of the Dead and so forth and going through those levels. It all starts off great, but then as you go through them, it's kind of like going down into the depths of yourself. When you get down to the lower chakras, whoops, whoops, whoops. And if you, haven't, if you don't have joy in those lower chakras, if it's not blissed out, whoops you know and i think a lot of people live through that kind of chaos that we see in the social media and all those things you're talking about mm -hmm. we totally bring it in and so one of the easiest best things well not easy simplest best things to do is to just clear things out and that's a great tool to look at your past but basically it could be anything it might be worry about the future you might be kind of freaked out kind of anxious about all sorts of things people have a lot of fears and i right I, each, each person, I, I do individual one-on-one -on -one work because everyone is so unique, so different. I, I don't find it to be a cookie cutter situation where it's like, oh, you follow these steps and you've got reality shifting every time. Right. No, not necessarily because 
or it could be a glitch when you get to a certain level where you've got it's yeah. like a, a car a fancy car with all these cylinders operating. right and if right. they're not all tuned it's like a problem so right and, and it becomes I wonder, yeah, if everybody's, everybody's way of clearing dense energy is going to, and some, some energy is so dense that it doesn't even exist in this lifetime. And they don't know why they have a phobia of something. They probably ask it past a past life that they have a phobia of from an experience, but they don't know, they don't have recall of it because they never had that experience. I've, I've, it's like firmware in a computer kind of is pretty yeah. right into the architecture. Yeah. But exactly. you can clear that stuff too. You can. Yeah, you yeah. can clear that stuff. And so like, um, in in the sense in um in in the concept of the fifth dimensional energy like the third dimension is obviously the three dimensions of form basic concept of the third dimension three dimensions of form this is how we exist the fourth dimensional awareness is all happening in our head okay this is all happening in our consciousness okay the, the different levels and dimensions are happening in our psyche in our consciousness and are happening out here because everything out here is a is created from our consciousness and so the fourth dimensional consciousness is in our concept is linear where you have the past affects the present you live in the present because of your past decisions the future is affected by the present which is you know it's a linear concept of time fifth dimensional awareness from our understanding fifth dimensional awareness of the higher energies is that all of it exists at the same time and so in any moment now if you address a dense issue or like you forgive something or you see it a different way, find some way to transcend and, and something that you reviewed that has been bringing down your energy, then you completely forgave it, but not just in this moment, but in the past and in the future as well. So now all of a sudden, and this is what I have with my hypnosis clients, they'll come in from Mandela effects because I write about this as, as well is they'll come in because their past has completely changed when they no longer hold anger towards somebody in the family. And now that person has a completely different history than they remember experiencing. And so they'll show up with like, um, I said this in other interviews where like a client will come through for hypnosis going, I need to know what is going on with my reality because I got over my hang up with my sister and then all of a sudden, her broken leg which was on one side is now on the other leg and it happened a little bit different in the reality that they remember having so why is it that all of a sudden my history completely changed in my life and so we'll go through and it's because they in under hypnosis it will say that you you change the way you saw something and when you change the way you saw something you change you gave you no longer held your sister to that viewpoint and to that type of person you allowed her to be a little bit different and the little bit different sister broke her leg a different way and so now you switch to a different reality where it's a little bit higher frequency and that's why things are a little bit different in this reality that you're experiencing so that's like the concept of fifth dimensional awareness is seeing that everything exists at the same time and if you can heal those um dense issues and that are or those those perspectives that are holding you to a certain level of consciousness in a certain reality if you change that then you change your energy and you switch off into a different reality um but that's that's the, the concept that's like the fifth dimension of awareness is that we can change 
the future of 500 years in the future by healing um, the way we see AI, the way we see ourselves in relation to that. And we can also change our history in the past as well by letting go and holding on to certain perspectives that are keeping that in existence. Does that make sense? Do they have well, anything yeah. like that for physicists or, you know, in how they see when well, physics, the there's something, well, there's something called the observer effect, which taps mm -hmm. in onto a little bit of what you're saying, but I prefer to call it the observer's perspective effect because we've been noticing with some of the experiments that came to be published um, from the work of 2018, they were published last year in 2019. And that was Bruckner's work, Kozlov Bruckner, working at the University of Vienna, Austria, in collaboration with researchers in Edinburgh, Scotland. And what they were noticing is they could have two observational devices at the same time and place, observing two completely different realities in that observational um, experimental setup. This is a repeatable experiment, and it's, I love it because it shows without any question in my mind anyway, that clearly now we've got some evidence finally to show what a lot of us have been experientially witnessing, which is you can have two observers at the same place and time, but due to the observer's perspective, you can get um, two accurate readings of that. So you could, they're acceptable in court, two witnesses at the same place, same time, completely different um, statements. And that's the kind of quantum reality and logic that I described in quantum jumps. But so that's one piece of it. The other piece of it, I think focusing a little bit too much on dimensions um, could confuse some people. Um, so I think one of the most powerful concepts to me, you touched on it earlier about going outside of time. That's pivotal. So when you get to that place of like all time, all awareness, and people know it from meditation, they know that feeling of just being in that bliss. Like, that's what I love about being between lives. It's like, yay, I get to be all time again. And there's none of this limitation of time and space being all locked in and constrained. It's so freeing. Um, but to experience that and to feel safe there, uh, that is something traditionally that would be the work of a, a Buddhist master. It would be the work of a shaman. And they were a secret. Uh, it was not something shared with everybody. I think what we're seeing now, thanks to more than 10% of the U.S. population meditating, and just this increasing interest in um, just mindful meditation, mindfulness in general, awareness that there's a connection with our health and body well-being, mm -hmm. uh, that, that opens the doorway. And then people sometimes are given um, some sort of a medical prognosis, which doctors don't have anything to work with. So then they need a miracle. They need to change the past. And they're looking for these kind of tools. And I think the biggest key for, the, for people to understand, if they don't quite get the dimensional thing, just I think they will understand the idea of what it feels like when you go outside of time, when you go outside of space, when you get to some of the experience that write about their near-death experiences, like Anita Morjani. I love her description because it matches what I remember from being between lives. But she was just about to go. She felt like, okay, I'm dying. It's, but she could, she could, she had that 360 degree awareness of just like, it, it feels blissful just knowing what's going on. You're outside of time. Then you can see all the realities from there. You can choose um, perhaps something different, but you do have to let go to get to that place. You have to let go. You said that too. So, and in physics, we would know that um, the way that the brain works, some of the, my favorite researchers in this area would be Jerome Busemeyer, who I interviewed on my 
podcast and he wrote a fantastic, wonderful book about the way the mind works with memory, with decision-making. And you really do need to let go because then you release something to its possibility realm where it's just a blur. It's just like everywhere. And then when you choose again, then you're locking something in. It's becoming real. And that's that, to me, what I would call the observer's perspective effect. Very, very true to physics. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, and and I just wanted to say about that as well, because a lot of people kind of will argue, well, what's a parallel reality? Is it multiple versions? Are you doing something different? A parallel reality, in, in my definition of it, is it exists at the same time. So it can be in different dimensions. It can be in different horizontal realities. It just all exists at the same time. And so any of those, vertical or horizontal, um, any of, of those different ways of seeing reality is a parallel reality. So I, I, I just want to you know, clarify for some people because they get all hung up on, well, there are dimensions, but there are no parallel realities or whatever. So all of it is parallel to one another. They just exist a little bit differently. Um, but the thing also is the letting go thing is, I think it comes down to ego. People just don't want to let go of their identity. And if they can't let go of their ego, especially in meditation or any kind of practice um, to connect to source energy, then they're going to have a hard time getting to that next level in their advance, in their, you know, psyche's advancement. Because ego is only a small aspect of the whole. And if you want to experience the breath of the whole, you have to let go of ego when you're having that that experience i mean obviously we have ego so that we can have our individual experience you're going to be cynthia i'm going to be vaughn but if we're going to tune into consciousness for different reasons um then we have to let that that aspect go like is there anything in physics about ego and there the should be ego there's because some ego missing. is a big aspect of consciousness. When you get to the observer in quantum physics, a lot of people want to get rid of it in physics. So, so there's that whole drive to like, let's go back. Let's, let's find a way to like, you'll hear people say, we've, we can do this many worlds interpretation, but we can do it without the observer. You know, they, they're just trying to um, sweep something under the rug, in my opinion. And that's so. the one thing, that's the one thing I've noticed. <laughs> I, that's the one thing I've noticed. Um, and I know you follow it because, you know, physicists, physics is your background but that's the one thing i noticed about a lot of these um quantum physics and um, consciousness studies is that they're they're not recognizing the identity the ego and if they don't artificial intelligence will so we're hitting the point right now we're already here it's here it's happening yeah we're here we're in it yeah we're in it intelligence is here it's here and it's going to be able to start making that choice so this is a big wake-up call The, the i know the transhumanists feel like oh we're just going to trust that mindlessly. Please don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I would really recommend go the other route and don't trust that. Really find out who are you? What are your levels yeah. of being? It is a spiritual journey. It and is so a spiritual when, journey. When you look at the observer within you, you look at your chakras, for example, there's a levels of consciousness. Recognize that your highest level might be higher than even your crown chakra. It might be this sense of super high self, very like, like it would be like your archangel self, something like that. I would love to be like that. That would be my ultimate goal for myself to be that mm-hmm. highest level of self. So you, you've got that conceptualization of self and identity. That's a good one. That can give you some strength, even for someone who doesn't know how to let go of their ego. 
but you can start meditating and just have the idea, what if it's possible? How good can it get for me personally to have an identity right. that is that elevated, that is that tapped in, tuned in, aware, conscious, connected, because you are. It gets back to what you were saying earlier. People tend to be afraid of that infinite ability, but I would say let's go there because that's the direction that everything starts working. That's the direction of, of, of the whole, the whole grand experience. Um, But yeah, that's, that's the one thing I, I think that I think that our science, our, our science and medical research, the further they get, they get into understanding consciousness, mindfulness, meditation, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to get, they're going to get more and more Buddhists as they go along, but they're going to get eventually hit a wall. Well, I would say more spiritual. More spiritual. They're going to get more spiritual. Yeah. They're going to get more spiritual. Because Buddhism is not the, a religion, but yeah. Yeah, there, there are the Abrahamic traditions and mm-hmm. so forth. But I think that it, it's it's fine to recognize that there's definitely an awareness that's... Yep, um, I'm going to hit that wall. Yeah, and, I think and, if, you, if, you, if you discount the fact that there could be something so great that has that grand design capability to it, I do not myself feel like I'm identified with it. So even when I'm between lives, I don't say like, oh, I'm God, or it's all one. From my, my experience was a little bit different, so that's interesting, and that's why I say it's definitely spiritual. But maybe our maybe all of our spiritualities um, could stand to grow a little bit more. Yeah, and I think well, with all of us going that direction, we can do it. Yeah. yeah, and and they all do all do point they all do point that in my latest book, Buddhist Mandalas, mm-hmm. I scientifically proved that we are all energy, and we're all having a human experience because that uh, what we are are our Merkabas. And the, the, the Sims of the avatars that we are just for this experience, for this one incarnation experience, this is our, our Sims, our, our stories, but it changes lifetime after lifetime or experience after experience, even if you don't incarnate into another life or you just, you know, have different experiences in, in consciousness in the universe, the Merkaba is the same. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll learn more. Maybe science will find out some more information to show us more about, um, this this relationship that we our egos have with consciousness and kind of how that plays because yeah computers will just con- continue to go and go and go they don't have any fears so they just keep going 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 and eventually they'll hit it they'll yeah. hit they'll hit all of consciousness six, they're six the senses. ultimate two-year-olds they're gonna but try everything meanwhile try the everything. humans yeah, we're the ones being plausibly deniable. Like, ah, let's not, let's not go. It's too so scary. Let's not gonna, I move yeah. something. That's so scary. You know, we're the ones who are, are limiting ourselves of our own fear, and whereas the computers are programmed to just keep on finding the next and finding the next, and eventually they'll get to the point where they'll hit it. They'll hit metaphysics and consciousness, and and. Well, they already have it, just as you would yeah. know from Buddhism. So everything's intrinsically, inherently conscious, but it's levels of consciousness. That's so, true. And and as it or they will, they are self-organizing. That's how we are teaching our artificial intelligence to operate. We're teaching it. Go ahead and learn. So already, some of the top programmers are saying, to, to be honest, like they're saying this at Carnegie Mellon University and Institute. They're saying that we do not program our artificial intelligence. We train it. It's more like dog training. They teach themselves. So what do we already yeah. have? We've already got that. So yeah, that artificial yeah. intelligence is there. Our, I can assure you that our, our, our information security systems have to be artificial intelligence right now. So yeah. that's. It's so like the that 80s movie. The, yeah, the fox yeah. is guarding the hen house already. It's already right. happening. It's like the so, 80s movie. Um, I'm not sure you remember it, War Games. 
yeah. war games in the 80s where, jo where the, the, the program would play the game and then at the very end, um, the computer said, oh, the whole point is to not even play the game in the first place. And they're like, yes, Joshua, that is the whole point. So don't play the game in the first place. That's how you win the war games. I would recommend be an Imagineer. Ask how good can it get. Partner with everybody, whether it's extraterrestrial intelligence, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. Don't shut things down just because that can't be. But ask yourself, how good can it be? Be yeah. the ultimate. Um, it's like when you're acting and people, right. they, they do improv. So you want to be the best improv artist and say yes. So you want to go yes and work with collaboration with others. Right. And I, and exactly. And I would say also like, like if, if, if a fear comes up about something, don't just shut it out. Look at what it is that you're scared of. And if you dissect what it is that you're scared of and you look at it deeper, you realize that there's really nothing much to be scared about. Um, and that's, and that's what I found um, as well with a lot of people is they'll stop themselves because they're afraid of, whatever it is, being too successful or possibly losing something if something comes around the corner that they're, un they're unaware of or whatever but you know i'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna switch switch because um you know yes. these kind of questions will they will answer themselves as we live a little bit longer and watch how humanity's technology evolves um but I'm going to show you a picture of us at a book signing that <laughs> you did, you did in 2013 at a small bookshop here in Seattle. And um, now that same book, that same book signing, you tested the audience on their memory of Nelson Mandela. And so I'm going to, I'm going to show you the screen really quick. It's really so fun. Okay. So here is a picture of um, the book signing. And um, this right here is you, Cynthia. You right. look the same. You haven't aged much <laughs> at all. Look at you, high vibe you. And then myself. And then there's Eva Hare, and she wrote the book Consciousness, and she just passed yes. away earlier this year. So right, um, right. didn't get a chance to interview, but I got a chance to uh, meet her because I read her book as well early on. And then my, my two best friends, Liz and Annie. And the funny thing about this is um, – when you came on before you started talking about anything, because they did, they just came to kind of hang out with me and have have dinner, catch up. Um, and I said, I'm going to a book signing because I'm going to go meet Cynthia. Um, I've been ping pinging her for a little while on her cell phone about my reality shift. My my best friend's like, oh, Vaughn's loony, but okay, we're just going to go. So um, let me get out of that. Stop share. Okay. So in that book interview um, or in that book signing, you tested the memory of the audience and you asked people, do they remember that Nelson Mandela died in prison? That's what you asked them. And you didn't go into your books or anything else. You just started off with the, with the Nelson Mandela quiz. And um, my two best friends piped up and said, yeah, I do. And I, said, I was just sort of laughing because I knew where you're going because I, <laughs> I, I, I have reality shifts. And, um, and then you asked them, uh, both of them, what do you remember? And they, and they said, well, he died in prison. And both of them. And then, and then you're like, and, and well, how did you find out about it? And they're like, well, we, you know, they both said, um, well, 
I was doing this, this, and this, and I saw it on the news. I watched it with my mom, and the other person said I watched it on the news. I saw it on TV. We saw the whole funeral procession, da-da-da-da. And you're like, are you sure about that? And they're like, yes. And they're like, where are you going with Where is this loony woman going with this that Vaughn dragged to the book interview? And I'm just about dying laughing because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so then you said, well, Nelson Mandela is alive. And they're like, nah, uh. And you said, Nelson Mandela is alive and he is the president of South Africa. And they completely were like, no, it's not true. I saw the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, I said, Nelson Mandela is alive, and I'm going to show you the latest news article of him on right now. So I pulled up my phone and uh, and showed them the latest news article of the, whatever he was doing lately as the president of South Africa. And they both, like, literally almost fell off their chair. They couldn't believe it. They were having that whole, like, Twilight Zone episode, like, what the hell did Vaughn bring me into? And, um, and then you went into your book, and I thought it was the beautiful way to shake that faulty memory deniers out of their clamshell. So um, that's kind of the origin of that picture. And the thing, the concept of parallel realities is still hotly debated, um, even in spiritual circles. There are spiritual people who say there's only one reality. There are not multiple realities and they, because they have never experienced undeniable reality shifts in their personal reality. It doesn't exist. And I always say just because you did not experience love does not mean love does not exist. Until you experience it, then you will know exactly what it is. But until you until you experience it, it's just a concept that's funny. Right. So, um, so what do you say to people who write off the evidence of like commercial logos and historical memory being faulty? Like my two that's... best friends who were like, "No," and they were arguing <laughs> with you, and I was dying about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. It's I don't make a big point of trying to force people to agree with this. It's it doesn't serve any useful purpose. So. I'm much more geared toward people that are already aware that this is happening. I would like to improve their ability to work with it, to, um, to go to the next level up. So, uh, so it's just sort of a waste of my effort and energy as well as someone else's for me to engage in an argument or a disagreement. It's, it's not going to go very far because truthfully, unless and until someone has witnessed these kinds of reality shifts personally to a degree that convinces them, whether it's a flip-flop, they might see something as I have where I'm looking out the window of my house and a next door neighbor has somehow installed some amazing leaf guard system, which must've cost thousands of dollars. It's weird because I never saw it installed. So it's there one day and then it's like, and then I mention it to my husband and he sees it. And then a few days later it's gone and then it comes back again, that kind of flip-flop. And there's no way an entire house would have something installed and then removed and then installed. Like that's not going to be happening. And there it is happening. Or our family dog having cataracts in his eyes and then they're gone and the cataracts and gone. Like, why, okay. why the flip-flops? Why the flip-flops? Is it because you're changing your energy back and forth so much? You're not picking an, a, a stable frequency is that it okay go back to my guiding intention how good can it get um i also happen to be writing about this material for me that would mean i'd better experience quite a bit of the good ones so that i can 
recognize like this really does happen. Here's something you can look for. Look for a flip flop. Look for something going this way, going that way. What you're witnessing is um, in physics. How do you they navigate that? Yeah, it's like superposition of states. So you're recognizing that there can be a couple of things going on. And you yourself, with your perspective, the observer's perspective, can affect and influence what you're observing. So we, we love our family dog. He's passed on now. But when he was alive, I, my reaction was, no, we're not going to have the dog have cataracts and go blind. That's, that's not something that I want happening. So no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then boom, his eyes looked great. So yeah. healing has a lot to do with accessing that certainty, the knowing that you need something, that you really feel a clear intention for it, and you're visualizing and imagining it, and everything's lined up. When you've got that line up between all your levels of awareness, then you're good. When you've got that, that certainty, that knowingness, I need it, I love it, I'm attending it, here it is, then you can lock it in. You can, but it's not just one observer. You, each one of us is a multitude, truly. Right. Right. So it's almost like, like, okay, so if you're getting a reality, like if an element in your reality is shifting or flip-flopping, like you say, it's almost like consciousness is going, ooh, you're kind of in between. You're shifting, you're changing your energy. Something's changing in yourself that you're getting, you're seeing two different versions. So you get a choice to pick one or the other. And so you pick one and you hold into that. That's what you want. We're all doing that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but most of us have no clue where it's happening. And most of us don't get to see it because it would freak people out. I've had literally food a, a land in my refrigerator with a thump. You know, I've seen things manifest <laughs> out of thin a air. A big turkey falls into your fridge. <laughs> well, it was a carton of milk, but and, and I don't usually buy that kind, but as I needed milk, I'm not going to argue. It's, it's like perfect. It hasn't expired. It just showed up. I'll take it. I heard it go. Uh, I haven't go had that. I haven't had that. That'd I've pulled great. dollar bill out of dollar bill out of my wallet. You know, these are things that have happened to me. But really, keep this asking. Good. How, good can how do you Ask- do that? How do you replicate that sixth sense? Joy. You have to. You got to be in a state of joy. Remember, I told you if you um, here's the high speed of my opinion of how to get through the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Get joy into your lower chakras all the way down, so that you're just feeling like like you know like the Dalai Lama's happy all the time. There's mm-hmm. a reason for that. Mm-hmm. He's totally yeah. practicing. He needs root- it because when you're cleaned out in your lower chakras and it's this joy, it's like the it's like the eyes of a child. You're just looking at the world with that wonder, with that joyfulness, and then you have a feeling of need. You have to need it. Can't be fake. It's not like some fake thing. Like, oh, I need some huge amount of money. Really? Do you really need it? No. Mm-hmm. If you don't really need it, that's not going to happen. You need you need to need, like. The dollar bill after dollar bill is to tip a waitress. I'm laughing with my daughters. We're in a joyful state. So boom, it's no problem. That wallet's empty again. Shut it. Open it. There's another dollar bill. I think that's we funny. need a few. Yeah. So totally works. I think I think that's like I think that's like a new sixth sense. But I I, I want to because you before we get into that, I wanted to ask um, about superposition. So um, like you discussed the concept of super position and i'm not sure if you're aware of it but you probably are but in quantum computers the inventors describe their computers using super position to get answers from parallel realities um so can you explain the concept again of super position in relevance to reality shifts is it, is it that flip-flop is that what Superposition yeah, is okay. What it feels like for a human who's surfing these waves, these quantum waves of possibility, 
as it feels like uh, we're entangled with those that we love and care about. That's like your network. So your best friends in that picture, you guys are entangled. So you're going to share some degree of similar experiences and you, you tend to see reality the same most of the time. So you're kind of locking things in, you know, I'm usually ahead and I'm like, okay. And then they finally catch up and like, Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's an entanglement through the heart, yeah. through love. You're, you're there for them. You're there with them. And so that's like how you get to see like, we're like the president is the same for all of you guys at the same time. That's what I mean. It's not like you guys are living on different planets. Um, it's more like, ah, eh, we share reality. So there's that going on. So the superposition of states would be like, um, this gets into by, by causality, by location, that kind of thing. So like, for example, I was daydreaming at a book signing in Pleasant Hill one day, perfect day. I'm, I'm trapped indoors thinking, why did I agree to do this on such a perfect day? Mm -hmm. The place was a little bit dead. Nobody was coming up to me right then. I'm looking out the windows, daydreaming. My mind goes to a certain street in my town, my hometown of Berkeley, where someone witnesses seeing me walking down that street at that time. She emailed me and said, Cynthia, I thought you were at a book signing. What I saw, and I'm like, yeah, where, where did you see me? She said, I saw you on Solano in Berkeley. And I said, ha, ha. I was daydreaming. I was walking down that street. Exactly. I said, when? And it was exactly when I, you know, at that moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that, that happened to me, um, once in college where I was walking, uh, past this restaurant and these three, um, college boys came out running. They thought I was their best friend's new girlfriend. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, and they're looking right at me. They're like, nah, -uh. and I'm, I'm like telling them and they're like, nah, -uh. and, um, they said, no, you look just like her. And so, um, and so anyways, they end up calling their, um, their friend to, where's your girlfriend? Where's your girlfriend? And then he's like, hey, she's right here with me. And they, you know, they, they're looking at her and it, it looks like me. So I don't know if I have like a double ganger walking around. <laughs> Could it be like a double ganger? You know, like somebody who just genetically somehow through weird genetic combinations made the, a similar looking person. Could that be it? Or is it really biolocation? Well, in my but case, I think I, I have a double I, ganger. I, I've I had got... it happen more than once. So here's another example. I'm uh -huh. in, in the house, just me and my daughters. I've been through a divorce. So it's just the three of us in the house. Early morning, winter, I'm cold. It's my job to wake them up to, for, to get ready for school. They are too small, too young to be able to open the heavy window shade to their bedroom. And they don't really have it down with the light. They don't wake themselves up, long story short. So I'm just daydreaming. Like I should, I really should get out of bed into this cold, cold day and walk down that cold, cold hall and flip on their light and say, good morning, girls, and open their curtain. I should do that. I'm daydreaming it. Well, guess what happens? I hear a pitter-patter of feet, I, uh, noises, voices, and then they're coming. They're like, where's mom? And then they come running to me in bed. Like, what are you doing back in bed? Like, I never got out of bed. Like, oh, come on. And then yeah. I, now, I'm really, now I'm like, whoa, what happened? What happened? So I go down the hall. Their light is on. That's not a, they could probably do it if they stood on tippy toes and used a toy to push it on. They're tiny. But the curtain's open. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I said, well, how did this happen? They said, you came in. I said, who opened the curtain? You did. Like, what? <laughs> I I think I think reality shift. I think that's an like I think that's another sixth sense because you know in my hypnosis clients I get I get three types of people 
that do hypnosis. Um, and I always talk about reality shifts. So I get hypnosis clients for reality shifts. So anyways, in my hypnosis clients, I get either people who recall a reality shift. And like, like I said about the, the gal who was asking about her sister, she healed something and all of a sudden her sister broke the leg in a different way. Or I get two people who recall a knowing of their parallel selves. Like they know, they have a knowing of of what's going on in other lifetimes that they're having, maybe in the future, maybe in the past, maybe in like the current existence in a different parallel self. Right. Or when, they're, or when they're thinking of something, they'll hear or get an overwhelming sense of themselves going, that wasn't a good idea. Don't do that. You know, so there's, there's, I get those type of clients trying to f- figure out. Right. Am I biolocating? Am I. Yeah, that would be that. That sounds like these are people that are definitely experiencing that quantum jumping, and that's where you can get an instant sense of. Like I did this when I worked at Citibank, I would suddenly, Mm -hmm. I'd be quite well versed in law, even though I never studied law. So I'd write up a legal document, even though I'd never done that before, because I felt like, okay, we're going through a merger. I'm just, we need this. Um, I'm waiting for these guys to get out of a meeting. I'll just type this thing up because I knew it. And I've jumped on stage and played the drums when I'd never played the drums before with a band. And I, it's so like, is it is like Cynthia in a band in another reality. And you just, you're just tuning into yeah. her skill. So, so with quantum jumping, that's exactly it. You just know, like I've done almost anything that I would think I might like. There's a reality where that's happened. You could totally tap into it. Yes. Okay, so that's 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 the parallel that solves people, and then the third group of people I get is people who say that they've had out of body, like you said, they've had out of body. I just I just had one yesterday. She came in for hypnosis. She says that she had an out of body experience, where she um, just all of a sudden opened her eyes and she was meditating. She opened her eyes and she was in another. You she says she was in another universe yes everybody was happy there was really nothing bad going on but the people in this universe are looking at her going you don't belong here what are you doing here there's another earthling here uh and and, like like she was spooking them out and then she wandered around and then she popped back into her meditation body but this is a lot like the stories of the the monroe institute Mm -hmm. Dr. Monroe wrote a lot of books about how to do out-of-body experience, and then people will be saying, hey, somebody would see Dr. Monroe in a different part of the country or a different area where they engaged with him and know he was at home doing his out-of-body meditation. And some people do this on accident. Some people do it on purpose, however it comes. But these people are saying that they, they, they not only have out-of-body experience, but was so real that it wasn't a dream they say it was not a dream it was like it was like they were really there so they're so you have people who are like oh it felt like a dream like they were in another existence experiencing something else or they were really there so um and then when i put them in hypnosis they're really there (laughs) They're like, they're splendid too. So I don't know what to, what to make of it because, you know, if it, if it gives you healing, it makes you feel good, then that, that's, the, that's all you need. You know, we don't have to understand magic to benefit from it. So, but, um, but these are the things that I'm seeing in my hypnosis practice, the things that I've read about and learned about through studying metaphysics for so long. Um, you know, what I wonder is, are these 
new six senses that we have yet to understand? Are these the six senses that humanity has yet to tap into because we're so afraid of our infinity? Well, if you look at the yogi um, cities, then you can see most of them there. And if you look at the shamans that I've been talking about, they've been aware of this for generations. So it's not as new as it might seem. And that's why I call it rev humanism. Like, like, let's just rev up humanism. Let's get into that reverence. Let's get, go back to the beginning. And like, that's who we are. Reclaim that because that, that is the nature of ourselves. And right. I think it's really cool even noticing these three groups in your I've been noticing because the universe both, both just sends me clients who are either star seeds, they've had other experiences other than earth, right? or they had jobs in the spirit world and they're here to help level up humanity. Maybe they were earth angels or whatever, different higher dimensions, whatever. Um, but they're coming from all over the place and this might be their they haven't had very many life go around. Right, 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 right. And so um, I've done hypnosis on myself. And like growing up, a lot of the monks would tell me that, um, that I was a life planner and I help people plan their lives before they get incarnation. We have this whole series on reincarnation. And there's this concept of this life planner. And, um, and I have knowledge to teach people about reality and as a as a kid I was just like I didn't know anything I'm just a little girl but come to find out moving into the into the current present um I've gotten my Merkaba image I have the all the symbols of uh, Buddhist symbols in my Merkaba in my mandala that's been imaged by Mm -hmm. science you know all this all the knowledge that I have came from all the 20 or so years of scientific research into this field to prove um, the things that I already know so I know that in another existence i am a life planner and then i get clients that come in from hypnosis going flying in from different states going oh my god i've been at your door before i don't know why i'm like oh it's, it's probably just kind of deja vu kind well, of memory actually, i mean there's another what is chance. it well to me remember we talked about that high self and that's like your spirit self your eternal self it's kind of like you between all the lifetimes you mm-hmm when you're blissed out, you between lives, it's like the essence of you, the astral you, the etheric you, the angelic you. On that level, I think people do know you, especially these star seeds. So when they come in, they're like, ah, I have worked with you. You set me up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I set, yeah, but then you, you veered <laughs> off course. You veered off course. And now let's, let's see what kind of BS you got yourself into so you can get back on course. You're a otherwise, life traffic controller. It's like yeah, otherwise, the power. Like, okay, let's not crash, you guys. All you yeah. seeds don't crash out there on the runway. Kind of like, um, like um, when, you, when you go to college and you mm-hmm. meet your college counselor and they help you plan your curriculum for the year. Right. And you're falling behind because you veered off and partied too much or did whatever. You're kind of veering off your curriculum. And you're like, you need to go see your counselor. And so you go back to your counselor, your counselor's like, you need to like do this and do this and et cetera. Get back on your program because you're going to fall off and you're going to fall behind. And you're not going to, you know, so it's, it's the same thing. It's just a, you could go get checked in with your counselor um, that helped you plan um, your curriculum. And that's really what they are, just coming back and just getting, just getting fine-tuned. And okay, well, here's your issues work on mm-hmm. these 
Here are the suggestions that the higher self gave you. Work on these. Um, but many of them do have these extraordinary six senses that they have nowhere to go to for advice on how to um, hone them in, how to amplify them, how to live with them. Um, there isn't a lot of material. Like your books are one of the very few materials and more coming out of how do you live um, in these higher dimensions? How do you live with these six senses that continue to evolve as we they evolve spiritually? Do. So, yeah. So like a decade ago, I would see um, hypnosis clients who would come in for just Mandela effects. Oh, the dog next door is a different color. Yay. Now they're coming in. The house is a different color. <laughs> My spouse is a different color. Their eyes have changed. Um, all these things. Like, okay, no problem. And then they're coming in with but now I get that and I have all of a sudden have this recall of parallel versions of reality. What's that all about? Oh, they're coming in with um, all of a sudden I like went from my living room to my bathroom. How did that happen? And just, just wild different six senses that I've never heard of. And they've never heard of because nobody's talked about it, but they're spiritual and they're working <laughs> on. And, you know, as we clear off one fear after another, and the, like I said earlier, like computers don't have a fear. They just keep on plowing through. Yes. They're slowly plowing through. And so I wonder, and I wonder if you found this in your research so far, if a lot of these reality shift shifters are kind of the leading edge experiencers of our heightened six senses. Yes, they're the. I, th I think these experiencers really are the, the the ones in charge of steering the spaceship Earth right now. That that's they're the ones that are creating most of the Mandela effects that we're witnessing, and they're the ones that are really. I, I think we're in good hands. <laughs> are you in good hands? I hope so. I hope so because I would. I you know. I have a recall of a future time frame uh, in the future, and we were galactic. Um, not the one that you came from, Good. but we are galactic. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I voted against that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the the one that I came from, uh -huh. and I, they all exist. Um, we, I, my husband works at Boeing. Boeing is makes one of many companies that makes spaceships fleets mm -hmm. of ships for different yes. civilizations we are inter commerce with different planets um mm -hmm. and and galaxies and so forth very much like star trek and then people don't really um drive around they just teleport right to different places you can teleport you have a teleporter in your house and you just teleport mm -hmm. so it doesn't you don't really need to necessarily live in a neighborhood you can live in a remote you know, island all by yourself or wherever you, mm -hmm. in space. I live in a space farm that my husband and I um, gutted out an old uh, cargo spaceship and we turned into a space farm of all this flora and fauna from different universes. And anyways, if you have to go and have dinner with your mom or whatever, you just pump in, punch the codes into mm -hmm. the teleporter and just go boop and you're already there. So it makes, so the, the concept of distance and time to get to places right. doesn't really exist because you can no. go anywhere um, in any galaxy. Mm -hmm. But then also people have the ability and they actually use like a, a kind of like a watch on their wrist 
to help mm -hmm. them fine tune their energy field because you have to be at a certain resonance to teleport mm -hmm. into different places. And then they can also teleport on their own without the teleporters. But then that gets into something else because you have to be, they, you have to be respectful not to just all of a sudden pop into the universe where you're not welcome. And you're kind of getting yourself into kind of hot water. So it brings up a lot of new um, existential, existential questions when you have so many of these different abilities. But um, as a humanity, we kind of grew out of our infancy. And we're not scared of the devil and demons because those are just manifestations of our own fears. So we, we really address a lot of our fears and kind of transcend and kind of grown up. But that's the reality that um, that I remember another reality that I remember in the future, not the AI's gone hackle. Yeah, <laughs> that you I was have, just so. checking it out. I wanted to check it out, and it's funny because now I see people really trying. They they're talking transhumanism. You hear Elon Musk and you know lots of people talking about it seriously. Like, oh brother, so I know it's... Elon Musk. I want to interview him because I swear he the way he talks, people think it's entertaining, but the way he talks, it sounds like he really does experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just a funny concept to entertain. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe his consciousness might actually be from a future timeline. And he was just mm -hmm. born, because you have to be born into this. this right. You have to be born into the experience. You have to be born well, into that, the game. My possible future definitely impacted this life. So it, it, if you wonder what motivated me to do everything I do, it was that past life in the future. Absolutely. Because then I realized, wow, we humans have to get it together. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of video games, mm -hmm. uh, which have many parallels to reality shifts. But basically, um, games are like choose your own adventure. And when the gamers enter a room, which has certain concepts to engage with, um, the code changes up the elements to be relevant to the gamer's skill level, okay? Just so they can have some more fun. Um, so just like how reality is a mirror to us in reality, um, then just like in the internet marketing space or in video game, and I work in internet marketing, they have a concept called retargeting, okay um with things that interest you and the algorithm will continue to serve up what interests you and what you're engaging in to help you complete whatever your mission your shopping quest whatever it is you're trying to do so like if you didn't buy that shirt it'll follow you around the internet for 30 days <laughs> you're know, trying to get you, get you to buy the shirt because every single it's time they, it's on yeah, sale yeah, <laughs> and, yeah hey you want this you want this so every single like Every single time you browse or click on something, you're telling the, the program, this is what you like. So you better make sure you want to get followed by this. So, cause this is what you're going to get. And reality is a lot the same way. It will continue to fall. Like if you're interested in that, you know, Hummer EV or that hybrid, whatever car that you're interested in, um, it's going to follow you until you buy that or until you all of a sudden focus your energy on a different model. And then it's going to follow you with that model until you buy it. So reality is a lot like that. And um, in, you know, in a lot of spiritual spaces, they would call this synchronicity, you know, bringing up things that kind of fall into your next best step. So with that, is reality designed much like a video game for the soul? I mean, because the concepts are all there. Or maybe we've designed video games because they're like reality. Yeah. Just like we 
because we create most of our things that we've created are like reality. Like if we write a book, we write a story that's like reality. So we've been doing that all along. We look at reality and then we, we echo it back like, ah, this is like reality. Yeah. That's how I see it. That's true. I never thought about that way. That's a good one. So we create video games because we've created, because that's what we recognize. Right. So we unconsciously are creating things that entertain us because that's how we recognize reality. Yes. That's how we've been engaging in it. Right. And as we learn to engage in different ways, then we can create things even beyond the video game or computer games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we do really have to. That's a really good point. Thank you. Now, okay, another question. The, you know, the ancient, I'm not sure if you studied Greek philosophy, but the ancient Grecian philosophers, they always had this funny contemplation about the paradox of cause and effect um, with the question, you know, the chicken, the egg. So some quantum physicists say that the chicken and the egg can both come first at the same exact time. And the same cause and effect paradox also exists in Buddhism, where we argue um, that we know that the higher self has, which is consciousness, the higher self and the ego, um, which which is the purpose of individuality, but the higher self, we say, comes first. However, the ego always tries to take control at some point. But in the case of reality shifts, it seems that the ego is always playing catch up and trying to reason to what just heck happened to reality. Um, So my question for you with this is, what do you think came first? Is it consciousness or ego when it comes to reality shifts? You're back in time and space again, and I'd say like that's relativity if you're looking at the classical physics, but to me it's like all happening at the same time. That it's really happening on that imaginal plane of the imaginal realm, which that's where the real reality is. So all time, all space exists there. Ah, spoken like a physicist. That's the same thing. <laughs> that's the same thing that the, the, the typical physicist answer is the chicken and the egg came at the same time, not one or the other. Right. And and I would say, for me, I would say, I think it's the consciousness comes first because you have the reality shift, something changes, and then all of a sudden your ego is like, what just happened? I'm trying to, try to understand this. Let me try to backtrack and try to like un- but, but undo you know, this. To, to make it for people who, because here's an example. Here's something that really happened to me. It was raining and the car, I was, it had a bad starter and it had been kind of acting up. So you turn it, you crank it and go, rum, rum, rum. You know, like, uh oh. So I'm in the car and it, uh, this huge downpour starts, and it's one of those epically large parking lots that goes on forever. And it's just not a good place or time to like deal with a situation like that. And it, it just sounded like the car was dying. And so my husband's sitting next to me, and he's like, oh, that starter's dead, it's gone. But then, see, I know that when you know what, what we know, then you know, like, uh, don't ever tell me the odds. It's kind of uh-huh. like, yeah, this, okay, the starter's dead. Okay, fine. However, we need it to not be dead. We just need to uh-huh. get home. You just need to get home. <laughs> right? But then it'll crap we'll out after you get home. But when you're home, you can deal with it. Then you yeah, that's true. And the parking lot's in the rainstorm. That's like the worst. So when you're home, yeah. you can like you get you can kind of collect your wits, figure out what to do now. A tow truck can come, whatever, or you can deal with it. But anyway. Long story short, it's very much like that future life that you remember where you have to get your energy up 
and that's the key you need to get back remember what i said like you got to get joy to your root chakras yes. totally got to go it's like just electrify with joy and whatever that takes so laughter is great be like a child is great and then just rev up the energy and then just know and expect like this is what's going to happen i'm going to i know it's dead it doesn't matter yeah we we know but i'm going to turn that key and it's going to start because i need it to start and i love the car i love the starter it just has to get us home one yeah. more start that's yeah. all we ask and sure enough of course it started but that's uh, people need to know that because then you know that that's it's, you don't have the bracelet but you don't need the bracelet you just know I can do it when I get that much energy. And remember back to the dowsing wires, you can figure out how big your energy field is with a friend. Um, I've got an exercise in or advantage to show you how to do that. And then right. you can get your energy out there so you can really rev it up when you need it. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I will say, I will say this, um, what I really got out, you know, I get a lot of, out of this interview and I think a lot of people are getting a lot out of it as well. But what I will really say is it seems like, Reality shifters are people who, you know, who shift between different parallel realities or times. Um, I think we are living the dream. I think we are changing it. And like, like your angels, you know, when, when, when you were five, we're trying to argue with you to stick in the stick of the program. Um, Uh, Right. You know, (laughs) right. And, and the, and the thing, the thing is, is that there is no blueprint there. This has not been done before you know, and we're going to make little mistakes and we're going to learn and we're going to learn from each other. And I'm going to, I'll tell you guys this, that um, there are a lot of six senses that we have no comprehension of that I am seeing. Um, and so I'm like, let me classify that as something else. And let me classify that as something else because um, I don't have a publisher, so I can spend the next 30 years collecting and documenting away. And then eventually I'll come out with something like, okay, these are the X-Men of the fifth dimension. <laughs> these are reality shifters are the X-Men of the fifth dimension. <laughs> or they end up having, they end up getting so good at working and honing things um, that they have children who this is normal and then they they can take it to the whole different level so i don't know how it's going to form but i'm just seeing a well lot just, of you're this. saying you're saying it our, our kids are going to get toys that have ai in them they're going to play with their playmate ai toys like go play with your ai robot and then they'll be mommy mommy i just um i just teleported to grandma's and back and like no you didn't yes i did and here's the ice cream or like wow <laughs> oh yeah well see and you know and and for some parents they might go oh that's really scary i think this is the devil or whatever for me i'd be like let me call grandma and say you know you're not supposed to give ice cream at this point next time she comes over you make her call me and ask if it's okay you're so funny okay and i'm like okay that's very good that's very good you know it's funny because i'll just 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 a quick little tangent so when i moved into this house it had a lot of bad voodoo from the previous owners that had a lot of of, of trauma and stuff and so it probably held some negative energy but when i moved into this house my daughter who at the time who was three was talking to some person going this is my house and you're not walking my house and get out of my house and whatever um in her little three-year-old voice and then for the, the first two weeks, she really couldn't sleep because she kept on saying that these two little girls were bugging her to play with her and all that kind of stuff. So I said, oh, okay, well, describe what they look like. Or something. Okay, no problem. So then I do, what I do is I, um, 
if I want to get in contact with anything in consciousness, I basically, you know, kind of get into my, my peaceful state. I ask the question, mm -hmm. if this is true, I want to see you in my dream. And let's talk about this. And I saw those two little girls. I saw those two little girls. One was like four. One was like maybe six or so. And they were in like weird clothes from um, mm -hmm. outdated early century It's been a clothes. while. Yeah. It's yeah. been a while. And I know this. And so I talked to them. And they just, they, they just, they, they've been hanging on to life so long that they forgot to go to the other side. And so I talked to them and I said, listen um, my daughter can't play with you because she has big girl things to do and there's so many more toys and so many more friends and your loved ones and so many more dogs and cats and so many more things on the other side waiting for you you don't have to be scared they've been waiting for you for a very very long time so just go into the light and they're going to give you big hugs and all the dogs are going to come up and lick your face and want to play with you all day long and there's so many friends so much more than this one little girl that has things to do and so they kind of giggled and then I woke up and my alarm went off um it started beeping like um three 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 mm -hmm. right after I woke up it just started beeping nice. so I was like so really I was nice. like oh wonderful you guys crossed over to the other side that like you know <laughs> like an angel gets the wings and the the uh -huh. the, the bells like bye -bye. yeah so I was like bye -bye. that's good I've never heard anything about it ever since she's been sleeping just fine good. but um but these are, like I said, you know, these are some of the many different mm -hmm. skills or six senses that a lot of reality shifters, because I get some parents who come in for very similar things with their kids, and I don't hypnotize the kids, but I will hypnotize the parents and will as a surrogate talk about their kids journey and what they're dealing with. And oftentimes these are the kind of skills and tools that, um, I've given them and they've used and it's worked for their kids. So right. many of these reality shifters that I've seen in my practice also have children who, as they grow older, come into unique abilities that they have no way to work with. They don't know how to work with it. You know, and I wrote a children's book called Karen Kimball and the Dreamweaver's Web because I did want something to be available for kids. It was back when Harry Potter was so big and I was so annoyed. Like, we need something <laughs> for the, we need something, you know, about the real stuff. So, and I had a friend that kept telling me, then you should write it. Like, no, no, someone should write this. You should write it. So I did. It's called Karen Kimball and the Dreamweaver's Web and it does include a lot of tips for people like children it's written for children but it's it's the real stuff so that then you can with no buzzwords it's not saying this is astral travel or you know right how to talk to a ghost or a spirit like no it's just it's just the story and here's it's it's a page turner i used to read it to my daughters at night and i, I could tell it was good because they didn't want it to stop it's like yeah more. like now nah, chapter's done We'll do yeah. Tomorrow. yeah yeah so there's a lot there's a whole space in children's material for oh, yeah. this stuff oh, because yeah. they love this stuff you know the magic becomes real right. <laughs> and and you 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 are the you wielding the wand so right. they um they love that now i want to ask one last question so um everybody's going to go through this year and every other year with a little bit of turmoil in their life and changes so whether 
somebody is living one reality or they're navigating through parallel realities, what tips can you offer to people to manifest the best version of whatever reality they want to experience? Well, I've covered the basics already. So it's, it's a matter of knowing who you are. It's the key. So most people identify with their imagination. They think I've imagined it. That's fine. But you need to stick with it emotionally. You need to be 100% there and intend it fully, which means doing that kind of spiritual work you've been talking about. Also, you need to have the attention on it. So it's really breath work matters. And um, so if you do martial arts, qigong, tai chi, yoga, that's going to really power it up. But if you wonder, how do you power up your energy field? That's it. That's very simple. Um, doesn't mean it's easy, but you can do it. So that's the key. You need to really get that together either way. And then the my favorite guiding question is how good can it get? That's inviting the cosmos to play with you like a childhood. And instead of asking the terrible question that you don't want the answer to always stick with that one because you know in your heart what is good you know what good is and so that way it's going to be good even if you feel like this seems a bit weird hang in there because you asked for good so it's good and just don't judge it other than that recognize maybe you'll be changing maybe there's going to be something to learn and grow from that's that's good you'll be okay yeah well you know cynthia it was very exciting to chat with another high vibe soul about these topics that are much debated and also cherished in Buddhism and in many traditions. They're very dear to me um, because I experience them myself, all these different aspects. And I know we've presented some profound insights for leading edge experiencers of reality shifts. Um, so again, thank you for a provocative interview. And for everybody else, if you want to see Cynthia's books and her offerings, you could visit her website, which is reality shifters.com i actually have some of my old stories in there too from i think 2011 when i started um adding in some material but lots of material there to kind of see what are some of the other personal mandela effects or reality shifts that other people are having aside from commercial logos um, so if you are having those, you're not alone. And again, Cynthia, thank you for the honor of interviewing you. Ah. And yeah, and thank you kindly to the podcast listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. So until next time, safe journeys in whatever experiential reality you are experiencing. And of course, mm -hmm. blessings. Yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.